Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. I'm Aaron Viner, filling in for Jonathan Hessen. Will Lebanon's crisis risk escalation with Israel? Israel's northern frontier with Lebanon has been mostly quiet for the last 16 years, with periods of tension, although not of escalation. There is no symmetry between Jerusalem and Beirut, as one side has a government and a military, while the other is dominated by an organization, Hezbollah, whose very existence is predicated on continued resistance. But what is there to resist now, with Lebanon mired in domestic turmoil? Hezbollah has been spoiling for a fight over Lebanon's maritime boundaries for offshore natural gas reserves with Israel. For the latest chapter in this self-generated crisis, let's turn to our panel. Amir Oren, TV7's editor-at-large, host of Watchman Talk and Powers in Play. Hello, Aaron. And joining us from Central Israel is Reserve IDF Brigadier General Yossi Kuperwasser, the Project Director on Middle East Development at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. And Reserve mm-hmm. Colonel Reuven Ben Shalom, TV7 Powers in Play panelist, cross-cultural strategist, and associate at the ICT International Institute for Counterterrorism at Reichman University. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Amir, let's start with you. Can you provide us with a general overview about the most recent developments? So uh, we are at the uh, conjunction of both uh, internal and external problems uh, for Lebanon. The internal uh, problems are huge. Uh, For the last almost three years, uh, they had uh, uh, a combined financial, um, social, political uh, crisis. They can't uh, seem to uh, be able to form a government. They have a caretaker, a prime minister, uh, Mikati, um, and the uh, term of the current president, uh, Michel Aoun, runs out um, in uh, late October, and then he wants his son-in-law, Gibran Basil, to uh, take over from him. Uh, And there are, of course, others who oppose him and want the uh, commander of the military, Joseph Aoun, not a relative, uh, to be the new president. Many, many other such problems, and the new parliament is yet uh, to have a session. Now, the external problem uh, is, as you uh, said in your introduction, generated not by the country, the state of Lebanon, but by the uh, so-called terror army of uh, Hezbollah, uh, which is uh, trying uh, to find a pretext uh, to show that it is uh, fighting for the uh, rights, the sovereign rights, uh, according uh, to uh, their leader, Hassan Nasrallah, of Lebanon. And what they um, are focusing on is uh, a small piece of real estate, but a maritime real estate, um, which has to do with the question of who is going to benefit from the extraction of gas from somewhere between Lebanon, Israel, and uh, Cyprus. So uh, Nasrallah has uh, sent three unarmed drones as what he calls a message to Israel. Uh, These were um, shot down by the Israeli Air Force and Navy, but he has been threatening uh, to go ahead uh, with it. Apparently, it's a signal 
that uh, Hezbollah cannot be ignored, but uh, we have to be on guard because this time it could get out of hand. In fact, General Cooper Vasser, how much of an actual threat does Hezbollah currently pose to the state of Israel? Okay, so yes, I think that uh, Hezbollah is, uh, is a threat that we should uh, take very seriously because Hezbollah has managed in the last uh, 20 years to accomplish a very uh, important achievement in turning into a force that, that has uh, so many weapons in its uh, disposal that they have uh, a huge arsenal of uh, rockets, including some that are precisely guided rockets that actually can be referred to as missiles. Uh, they have uh, a big amount of uh, unmanned air vehicles, uh, including those that uh, the Russians are trying to buy from, uh, from Iran right now for the war in Ukraine. Uh, they have uh, land-to-sea missiles that are very dangerous and uh, can harm Israeli uh, fleet uh, very easily. And they have uh, a special force that is located there, deployed along the border, that is there in order to carry out attacks inside Israel. And uh, of course, all of that is uh, something that Israel should be taking very seriously and be prepared to tackle. We are trying very hard to improve our capability to contend with this threat uh, with all kinds of uh, active defense against the missiles uh, that uh, we are facing and so on. And uh, developing all kinds of techniques that would enable us to fight against the uh, vehicle, the unmanned air vehicles, as we saw on the two several weeks ago when the, we downed uh, three of them that were underway to uh, Karish uh, gas field. But uh, that uh, said, the threat is very considerable and uh, we have to uh, try and see what can be done about it. Unfortunately, what we noticed recently is that the uh, Hezbollah gains more and more self-confidence because of the uh, way it is uh, Iran is treated by the Americans and the way the Israelis are treating their threats. Uh, the fact that Israel didn't retaliate to the attempt to send the three uh, UAVs towards the Karish uh, gas field is uh, definitely noticed by Hezbollah and uh, this raises their uh, readiness to further escalate the situation and we have to be very much on alert uh, in face of that threat. Amir, taking all of that into account, what General Cooper Vosser just said, do you think that Hezbollah's move to possibly escalate a situation with Israel is meant to gain power in the Mediterranean? Is it meant as a diversion from the economic meltdown going on in Lebanon? Or is it possibly a power play of sorts to regain some of the influence it may have lost in the last round of elections in May? All of the above. Next question. Now, <laughs> seriously, um, of course, uh, there is a political uh, angle to it from Hezbollah's uh, point of view, uh, because uh, they want to remind everyone uh, in Beirut, uh, in other places in Lebanon, and the uh, other forces, the Americans, the French, uh, the International Monetary Fund and others, that they are really calling the shots. Of course, they have uh, authority without responsibility. It's a luxury. Uh, a government cannot uh, behave uh, like that. And yes, because they lost some power in parliament, they are showing their extra parliamentary muscle. Now, regarding um, uh, the gas uh, exploration, it's both uh, an asset and a burden. 
it's quite an asset for Lebanon because uh, once uh, it is uh, exploited, the uh, Lebanese economy, uh, which has been in ruins, could recover. But it's also a burden for Hezbollah because once it is operating, they know that they cannot risk another war with Israel for fear that they will be blamed for this entire new um, benefit for Lebanon, uh, bounty even, uh, destroyed. And also the uh, foreign um, uh, corporations, uh, which are uh, exploring um, in the Mediterranean, will go away, as, as will the insurance uh, companies. So this is probably the last moment when they can extract concessions and show that uh, it is only with their um, agreement that such uh, a deal can be struck between the governments of Israel and Lebanon with the mediation of the uh, U.S. emissary uh, Amos Hochstein. Let me follow up about the drones uh, with you, Colonel Ben Shalom. Where are they coming from? Who's funding them? And how likely are we to see more incoming rockets or, or unmanned aerial vehicles, let's stick with the drones, coming into Israel? Well, you could say drones, UAVs, UASs, they're multiple names. Right. This is the age of the drone. Uh, originally, I'm a pilot. That profession is extinct. You no longer have to have human hmm. beings sit inside a machine and drive them because they're, they're robots that can go anywhere. Israel masters these capabilities, and I think Israel is one of the world leaders today in building drones, fielding drones, and they fly all over the world, also for military and many civilian and agricultural uh, fields. Um, I think we do have a problem in Israel that sometimes we blow out of proportion this fear of drone. By the way, the word, the term drone itself is scary. It sounds like you know some futuristic killer robot. Um, it's, uh, it's nothing. What they're flying now, Hezbollah, is not certainly not an existential threat to Israel. Um, Israel has a problem because on the one hand, we want to show everyone, we want to certainly show our enemies that we can track them, we can shoot them down, and we're very, very successful at that. We even make a point of saying, you know, we tracked them all along and you see that we shot them down, but drones are easy to fly. It's just little airplanes. You can fly them, you know. Uh, most of what we see now don't have explosives in them. Uh, so one day they will get through. And by the way, once, not long ago, a drone came in from Lebanon, flew over Israel and went back. So what? No big deal. So we ourselves have to be careful with giving them PR. On the other hand, in the next war, we will see what these new technologies can do because today we, they fly in swarms. And one day when a swarm of drones attacks the oil refinery in Haifa, that will be a serious threat. That's what It will be a drone out war. Absolutely. And this is a threat to, you know, this is one of the difficulties of the next war. Uh, General Kuperwasser, let's let's switch over to the diplomatic efforts that have been ongoing to settle the maritime dispute. Now, the United States has been trying to mediate the maritime border problem between Israel and Lebanon uh, indirectly since the year 2000. Was this... This entire effort complicated by the fact that last April, Lebanon expanded its actual claim by 1,400 square kilometers. Yeah, well, there is a problem. Is, the problem is that there is a competition in Lebanon. Who is more Lebanese? And uh, the government needs to be at, at least as Lebanese as, the, as Hezbollah is. And Hezbollah is the, trying to push the claims of, uh, of Lebanon farther south. And uh, that's uh, something that the government has to uh, 
deal with. And uh, that's becoming a problem. Moreover, I would say that even if we do manage to get uh, some sort of an agreement with, with the Lebanese government, who's, who knows if this is really something that represents Lebanon? Because in Lebanon, the government doesn't represent the country. And uh, that's what we have seen in, uh, when with this attempt to, to send the UAVs towards uh, Kalish. It's uh, Hezbollah can take a decision by itself. It doesn't have to go through any decision-making process that uh, involves the government of Lebanon. And that's uh, something that makes any agreement in the future very volatile and uh, vulnerable. And uh, I think that uh, it's uh, something that uh, Lebanon has to think about, the United States has to think about, the Israeli government has to think about whether you are able to actually get an agreement with a country that doesn't control, doesn't hold the monopoly of the use of force from its territory. That is the, the basic problem with Lebanon. And what Hezbollah did uh, has sent us a message. Be very careful. It's, uh, even if you do conclude an, an agreement with the government, we may still have our own opinion and uh, do what we think is proper, appropriate in order to uh, have a better deal. Good point. Amir, touching on what you said a little bit earlier when you talked about the United States and France and how the Lebanese government is seeking aid from abroad, as well as the IMF. If the government was more secure financially and they could come out of this, you know, one of the worst uh, economic meltdowns we've seen this, you know, for over 100 years, would that help the government to regain some stability? Yes, but uh, the conditions um, are not there for the outside uh, donors or lenders uh, to give uh, money because it uh, just goes down the drain. Uh, the um, Lebanese economy has contracted for the last uh, couple of years. It lost some $700 million uh, um, at least. And the Americans uh, are now giving the uh, Lebanese uh, approximately half a billion, the French uh, between 100 million and 200 million. Um, it used to be either uh, dollars or euros, but now, of course, they are uh, almost equal, so uh, one doesn't uh, have to go into the denomination. But in any event, it won't help because the uh, uh, banking elite and the, the old established families are uh, uh, benefiting, they are corrupt, um, the, um, the people, the millions including one million Syrian refugees, they, they are almost um, in constant hunger and lack of fuel to hit their homes and, and uh, go to work. But uh, the, the elite, um, um, they, they are um, uh, just like uh, the last days of Pompeii. It's tragic. Uh, Colonel Benchalon, let's follow up on what Amir referred to as a drone out war. What could Israel expect if there is another war with Lebanon, meaning Hezbollah? Well, our last experience with, a, with an all-out war with Hezbollah was in 2006. And one of the problems we have is we always prepare for the last war. Uh, we have in front of us now a terror army armed to their teeth, uh, including aided and funded in technology from Iran. Um, in a way, they're our forward operating base of Iran. But not everything they will do will come with orders from Iran. It could be uh, some inside interests. It could be a miscalculation, by the way, on the border. This happened in the past. And when that happens, we will see an all-out war that is much more intense than what we saw in 2006. Many more capabilities, hundreds of thousands of rockets, many of them precision 
rockets to Israel, drones and drone swarms, uh, also formidable capabilities surface to sea. That means they could try to target our ships. So this will be probably uh, an all-out war like Israel has not seen in decades. Certainly, certainly we're prepared for this. Now, the big tragedy here will be for Lebanon, not for Israel. I mean, I don't want to brag, but as an Israeli, of course, there's no existential uh, problem here for Israel. It will be difficult. Uh, there will be, of course, many soldiers lost in a war like this. Many impacts inside of Israel. The Israeli public has to be prepared, but our resilience has been proven in the past. Lebanon will be destroyed. Like we saw in the past, double, triple, and that is the big tragedy. That's why if we would have just looked at this in simple, maybe Western eyes, like, what do you want? What disputes do we have? No disputes. It's just a terror organization. And their whole agenda now is to be perceived as the defenders of Lebanon, which is why they're going to lead Lebanon to another tragedy. Stunning. Uh, General Kuberwasser, how much of an effect or how much of a message is sent out by Israel's current political, not necessarily instability, although it is, the fact is we're going back to the ballot boxes in the first November. There will be another change of leadership in this country. What kind of a message does that send to the enemy states of this country? I think that they consider it as a message of weakness and the, the problems of decision-making are clear when, uh, when we have a caretaker government. Uh, but uh, I, since this has been the case for such a long time in Israel, I, I think that people already understand that it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we cannot uh, operate uh, militarily if necessary or even diplomatically. And uh, the case is that uh, we managed to function even in uh, these uh, difficult times. Uh, the, we hosted uh, President Biden during uh, such a time. And uh, I don't think that uh, they take it too much. They do understand there is some weakness and the, the, the way they behaved with the UAVs sent to Karish is, uh, is a sign of uh, this understanding uh, that they can afford to do more than would have they, what they would have done had we had a regular government. Uh, we saw that. I want to emphasize here that uh, uh, the decision-making of Hezbollah, and you coming back to the question you asked uh, Ruven before, mm -hmm. the decision-making of Hezbollah is made uh, to a large extent not only by the question of what, how does it affect its position in Lebanon, but also how it affects its relations with Iran. And uh, that's why even though uh, it might be the case that uh, uh, the Lebanese are not going to be uh, to oppose some acts by Hezbollah, as they did about the sending of the UAVs to, to Karish, uh, Nasrallah is not going to be very much impressed with that, because if his Iranian boss is uh, wishing him to do that, he will do that. And uh, regardless of what does it mean for Lebanon. And that's a, that's a big pity for Lebanon. And uh, this can also transpire into a decision not only about uh, three UAVs, but also on uh, embarking on a much more uh, dangerous war with Israel, uh, to please the, the Iranian uh, needs, uh, maybe in the case of uh, some tension between Israel and Iran, and uh, the repercussions of that on Lebanon are going to be devastating, as, uh, as Ruben said, and fully agree with it. There, there is an illusion that uh, the transition between peacetime and wartime would be gradual. But, um, and indeed, uh, not every incident uh, is going to escalate. Right now, Hezbollah 
uh, is bragging that it managed to get um, the balance of terror with Israel. There is mutual deterrence. Israel is very careful not to hit targets within Lebanon, and even it takes care when it hits targets in Syria, for instance, not to kill Lebanese personnel working with the Iranians or the uh, Syrians, because Nasrallah uh, is going to retaliate for that. And as was mentioned here, Israel did not strike back after the um, uh, triple drone attack. However, if there is credible intelligence uh, warning that Hezbollah is planning something, including the infiltration of its Radwan forces, the, the special force which was mentioned here, deployed near the border and trained to raid Israel, capture an outpost or a settlement, announce victory, and then they don't care what happens as long as they have these pictures. If Israel knows that this is in the offing, Israel will preempt. Israel will not wait for that to happen because the cost would be too high. No matter who the leader is. No matter, and uh, it all it uh, matters more who the chief of staff of the Israeli Defense Forces is, and at least um, some of the top uh, generals now are for such preemption. Colonel Benchalem, perhaps you could explain to some of our viewers who are not as familiar with the actual infrastructure in Lebanon, but Lebanon has its own army the Lebanese Armed Forces. What kind of a role are they playing in any of this? Minor. Uh, Can you explain why? They're nothing compared to Hezbollah. Very simple. In magnitude, in force, in capabilities. Their their acronym says it's all. LAF. LAF is Lebanese Armed Forces. Yeah. Um, By the way, as an IDF reserve officer, um, I respect my colleagues in the LAF, and we even have a roundabout dialogue with them, what's called the trilateral meeting. Um, I wish they would be able to act as an army of a sovereign state, but they, they don't, they cannot. Um, 1501, the resolution, the United Nations resolution uh, that, uh, that happened after the Second Lebanon War, was supposed to create a different situation on the ground. Certainly, they do not control the South. Hezbollah does. And actually, Lebanon was hijacked by a terror organization. They are the army now, the terror army of Lebanon, in fact. I'd like to ask each one of you for a very short but, answer but to... If oh, I may interject. Sure, absolutely. Uh, for some reason, the um, United States government, no matter who is the president, who is the Secretary of State or Defense, um, they're enamored of the LAF. They think that um, the uh, soldiers, or especially the senior officers, can serve as a counterweight to Hezbollah. And uh, up to now, uh, it has never been so. At most, they do not collaborate with uh, Hezbollah. At most, they are trying to help unifil the uh, UN contingent uh, in the, the south of Lebanon. In Lebanon. But, yeah. but uh, no one can count on the Lebanese armed forces or the Lebanese intelligence, the security organization, a, a separate uh, force uh, to save Lebanon from Hezbollah. Okay, so a quick final answer from each of you, if possible. Uh, Gen- we'll start with you, General Kupavasser. What do the Lebanese people want? Well, it's a difficult question because the, the Lebanese people is made of uh, all kinds of sects, and each sect wants something different. 
basically, most of the people of Lebanon want peace and uh, prosperity. That's what they want. And uh, we saw them in the streets in the last couple of years. And they want a government that functions and not a corrupt government like the one they have today. And they want a government that serves the interests of the people of Lebanon and not, uh, doesn't serve the interests of uh, another country, Iran. That's what they want, the, the majority of the people of Lebanon. Unfortunately, under the current situation where Hezbollah is so powerful, it's very difficult to get it. And there's still some in the Shiite community that uh, want a different other, uh, situation and they support Hezbollah. That's, uh, that's the problem. As long as this is the case, we are not going to see the Lebanon that most of the people of Lebanon wants to see. Anything to add to that, Colonel Ben Shalom? I totally agree. I think most human beings in the world want peace and quiet, prosperity, better future for their children. Unfortunately, most of us are controlled by leaders that that's not their agenda. Certainly, Lebanon, that is not the scheme. That's not the agenda. Those are not the forces at play. If I may add one more thing, I think the international community has a role to push Lebanon. And there are leverages that can be done, even like we just mentioned now, the United States that actually trains and arms the Lebanese armed forces. There is more to be done as far as pressure. Life, liberty, and Lebanon is what most Lebanese want. Islam, Iran, and Israel destroyed is what Hezbollah and its Iranian patrons want. And uh, never the twain shall meet. Well stated. And that concludes this episode of Jerusalem Studio. I'm Erin Viner, and I'd like to thank today's guests, Amir Oren, General Yossi Cooper-Wasser, and Colonel Reuven Ben Shalom. Thank you for being with us. And I'd also like to thank our audience for joining us today. We hope to see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.